to the Domestic Draft Podcast. I'm Evan Beerman here with Dan Slowick. Kind of a slow start there, Dan, but I see you got something you're sipping on. What are you drinking? I have a strawberry golden ale. There it is. It's from Belmont Brewing Company. It's here in California, but it's up here uh, near Long Beach. And I didn't know anything about the brewery before I bought the beer. So upon my research, find out some cool things about the brewery. It's actually one of the oldest brew pubs in that LA County area uh, where Long Beach is. So the uh, co-owners are David Lott and David Henson. They met in grad school at UCLA in 1976. And they, the story goes that they, you know, were friends. They remained uh, in touch with each other. One person went to big sky or like Montana. The other one like went into the peace Corps, but they always knew they wanted to go into business together and once like you know sierra nevada is one of the big first like craft breweries mm-hmm. to open up um that was like in like 76 i think or something like that they kind of just kept in touch and then you know got back together in the 80s and started talking about a business plan and by the late 80s early 90s they they went ahead and they opened up their first uh brewery but it's like a brew pub so it's belmont brewing company and the location is like right on the water so if you like look it up it's like a restaurant Less of a brewery, more of a brew pub, right? So you can like order their food on Grubhub and things like that. But um, they've been in business for, you know, 34 years. Uh, they've been pumping beer out this whole entire time. So, that, I mean, like that's that's something yeah. in and of itself. Out of all the breweries, we, we highlight some that have like opened and closed in like two, three years. You know, this one's been mm-hmm. been doing it for over 30 years. So I thought that was pretty cool. And, you know, they, they're keeping it simple. Um, just good food, good beer, and obviously a location right on the beach is hard to beat the beer that i'm drinking is a strawberry golden ale um it's all right i wouldn't say it's like great it's definitely you know it's with artificial fruit fruit flavor and it says that on the front and you kind of taste it a little bit if you it reminds me like a little reminiscent of like you know like the the fruity seltzers that like are very artificially fruity mm-hmm. almost like a little too sugary that's kind of what this is i mean it gets a 3.5 and untapped it's a good like refreshing beer on a really hot day, maybe do one, but nothing I'm, I'm really wanting to go back to. It's kind of more like a little specialty kind of thing, but yeah, gotcha. Belmont Brewing Company, what do you got? All right. I like that you did Belmont because, you know, right around the same time is when Goose Island uh, began and that's the mm-hmm. brewery I'm doing today. You know, we've talked about them on the show uh, a few times before, but, you know, I'll tell the story again. And it started right around the same time as Belmont back in the 1980s. Goose Island founder John Hall went on a trip across Europe had a diff- bunch of different pints across, you know, di- various styles, uh, different regions. Came back and thought, you know, America deserves some fine beer like I had in Europe. Returns to the states, settles down in his hometown of Chicago, which you know he found to be a perfect city for beer. Um, the tastes uh, evolving much faster than other areas in uh, the U.S. And then they also have the largest system of fresh water on the planet. So you know, got good water, you can make good beer. Mm-hmm. So he got to brewing, began brewing uh, in 1988, and then the brewery and original bottling plant was built in 1995, has more than doubled in size since. And then by 1999, he's brought additional growth and an additional brew pub on. And then in 2011, you know, Goose Island was acquired by Anheuser-Busch uh, famously. So now they distribute locally, nationwide, and internationally. Everybody can get Goose Island beer, which I think is really cool. It's, uh, you know... The original craft brewery, I think, of Chicago. Yeah. And, um, you know, they kind of went a different path than Belmont seemed. You know, you could kind of keep it low key. You can keep it. But they wanted to expand and, uh, 
you know, I, I think it was a good move for them. Um, I think Boo Sound's one of the top selling beers for Anheuser-Busch too. So uh, the beer I have here is called Tropical Beer Hug. It's an Imperial IPA. Mm, there it is. 9.9%. So it's uh, pretty hoppy. Uh, it gets a 3.7 on untapped. It's not my favorite beer hug. There's like a neon beer hug that I think is a little bit better. Um, but, you know, I had some of these for the Super Bowl, Dan. So okay. got a little leftover got beer left here over I'm beer. sipping on. Yeah. There you go. Speaking of the Super Bowl, let's start with how, you know, both of us, I think, had parties, had people yep. over. Yep. You know, the Super Bowl is just an event. It's just fun to get together, um, throw some, you know, little bets down, just get some action in the uh, game. But I'm curious what you ended up going with for food yeah we hosted we had our friends here in san diego over um i didn't do any of the cooking uh i did not um my wife did and we decided we talked like menu and like what we wanted to make we decided on making uh pulled pork because there's a there's a butcher shop out here that i've been wanting to go to it's called iowa meats um and just you know some midwestern protein is a little bit I, th- I think it hits a little different, you know, if you've had it and then you move out West, you, you kind of crave kind of the beef and the cattle from the Midwest. Anyways, uh, we got a, a nice piece of meat, uh, from them, made some pulled pork out of it, made, made our own slaw, a nice vinegar based slaw with little mayonnaise. It was really good. I really liked it. We that had some awesome. Hawaiian bread. Yeah. So we want pulled pork. That was really good. And then everybody brought over their own like sides. There was pasta salad. There was artichoke dip. Um, there's cookie, you know, cookies, some sweets, a bunch of meat and cheese, kind of charcuterie board. Not the typical, I feel like, uh, growing up Super Bowl spread where it's more scale with the charcuterie yeah, yeah, board. Yeah, yeah, where it's more kind of like concession and almost, you know, and like Doritos and things like that. But yeah, yeah it was really good, really good time. Um, but it was, it was a little hard for me to follow the game. We'll get to that later. How about you? How's your uh, party? Yeah, mine was, uh, was you know, kind spread. of that kind of that classic spread i guess with the you know the chips gotta have a bunch of different kinds of doritos and different chips and stuff and some dips we had a street corn dip that was really good pizza had the hot wings going and then i made these uh jalapeno um you know i scooped all those out put in some cream cheese some cheese and some chorizo in there and then wrapped them in bacon those were that hit the spot i like those a lot i'm gonna have to make those every year but yeah the food spread was uh was on point the game, though, you know, let's let's get right into the game. I mean, that first half was really brutal. It was a brutal one to watch. I thought we were heading towards that, you know, that was that Rams um, Patriots yeah, game. That was terrible. Like five, six years yeah. back, you know, where nobody was scoring and nothing was happening. Yeah, I, there was a dialogue going the whole entire first half that was like, this is just a bad game. I don't know if the defenses were just really good and the offenses were really tight because the, there was, in my memory, looking back on the first half, like no big plays at all. Mm-hmm. field goals um block field goal i think like nothing major it was very forgettable um kind of a letdown i thought the most entertaining thing in the first half was reba going over uh the time i think it was like 92 <laughs> and a half seconds and she held that last note for like a good five seconds to go on the over i thought that was pretty exciting that the heads and tails uh flip was exciting like the prop bets were all exciting the game not so much. I don't think it really got exciting until like halfway through the fourth quarter. Yeah, I was going to say the first memorable play that I that comes to mind for me was that punt that went off of uh, you know one of the 49ers players' feet, and then mm-hmm. the the punt returner tried to pick it up, and the Chiefs got the ball back and scored right away. I thought that was a huge game changer, and it started kind of that scoring run for 
for everybody. I think everybody just started playing a little bit uh, sharper, trying to get some points on the board. But uh, the kickers were great. And a couple um, like players that you wouldn't expect like stepped up. Like Jennings was like probably yeah. Uh, you know, if they would have won the game, would have been like MVP. He was all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't yeah, really touchdown pass. Caught one. Right. Caught one through one. Like crazy. Didn't 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 see that on the on the the bet sheet that that was going to happen. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought that throw to touchdown to Christian McCaffrey at, that that was going to be picked, and then he ends up catching it, and then there's no one there, and he runs for a touchdown. That was a cool play, but. Yeah. yeah, overall, and then and then the one thing was just Tony Romo. I think everybody yeah. in the room just like had enough of him. Um, kind of annoying on the call, uh, making noises and stuff while you're like, yeah, trying to and he kind of just like acts like the audience doesn't know what the hell they're watching. It's like we yeah. we're watching because we we've watched football for a long time. Like, give us more mm-hmm. of the insight and don't give us all the oohs and ahs and like trying to like you know hype it up like every play and every call and result is like the most important thing ever yeah he was brutal i hope I, I hope he doesn't do it again either i did see a lot of people had the same kind of complaint so hopefully they'll take that to heart i'm a fan of buck i really like to hear buck on the call um i think they there was another kevin harlan i think you know he usually does basketball i mean i'm fine with the collins uh, collinsworth awesome. and al michaels like that's just i enjoy yeah. them i like Classic. greg olson as another like new voice coming Olsen's up he's, he's been great um mm-hmm. we'll see what tom brady does this coming year but uh that you know we're talking about the first happy and so 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 halftime usher what'd you think of the show i don't know it was split in our house my wife really liked it <laughs> uh for whatever reason, she was a huge Usher fan back in the day. I think the nostalgia factor plays in to a lot of people. Like if you were a big Usher fan, you probably liked it. I right. thought it was, you know, kind of weak until towards the end when some of the other people came in. Alicia Keys was awesome. Yeah. But like, I don't know. That roller skating was impressive. But I just <laughs> thought like maybe like he just started doing that as a new hobby and he's like, I gotta bust this out. So yeah. Cool. Everyone's <laughs> gotta see these new skills I got. Yeah. I've been roller skating a storm. Mm-hmm. but i thought it was pretty weak like especially at the beginning i, I yeah. nobody was into it uh yeah. at least you know from our party. it sounded pretty bad at least on our end like it just mm-hmm. like didn't sound good everybody was in agreement that like alicia keys sounded great and like blew it out of the water but she was like there for like 30 seconds yeah um and then yeah just a wild car wild call to be roller skating all around the field at your halftime show like i don't think anyone saw that coming no and i didn't know this i don't know if you did but that if the Super Bowl halftime performers don't make any money. They're not paid for it at all. It's just free advertising for them. It's just like hype sure. money, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Because all of these like, they're going to get paid. They're yeah. going to get paid. Because all of these commercials are, you know, they pay, I think it was seven mil or something like that this year uh-huh. for a 30 second ad, but they're saying this is a 13 minute ad for yourself, basically, you get for free. So that's kind of like how they pitch it to them. But yeah. I still think it's nuts. They don't get any money. I would but, be, I would be curious to see it, what it equates to. Yeah, in the end, more, if it's more than you know that time slot times, you know what, what was it, thirty seconds to thirteen minutes and seven million, whatever it equates to. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but those commercials, man. Yeah, are we just like getting older, or are the commercials getting worse? Because I remember growing up, like these commercials, like people would be like sh- shushing each other and like wanting to watch every commercial because there was so much much hype around it. Or is it that the internet has ruined it because half of them are already, you know, on Twitter and you could watch them before the game. Yeah, I think the problem is the money. Like we just talked about how expensive this is. So they feel like they need to go out and they need to spend a ton of money. I mean, you think, look at some of these commercials. They just were littered with celebrities and people that you know that they just spent a ton of money just to be yeah. in it. 
And yeah. so they're thinking, hey, if Tom Brady's in this, people are going to like this commercial, is my opinion, even mm-hmm. if it's not that great. Because, you know, a lot of them, they weren't that great. They just had a bunch of people in it. The Dunkin' Donuts one sticks out to me. Like, I'm not a, like Ben Affleck's and Matt Damon, they're good, but I don't like that. Was just a bunch of people in that commercial, right? You're paying J Lo, you're paying Tom Brady for Tom no Brady, reason. Yeah, yeah. He's like in there, <laughs> you know, like it was just, it, it was He's a lot tired. of people. That's why. In He's in everything. Yeah, the bad MGM one, you know, had Tom in it too. And um, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like they're just paying people just because they know this is expensive. This is a big investment. So, yeah. And I missed my, a couple of them too. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? Yeah, I did have one that I liked. It was the uh, Serra, Serave. Oh, one. yeah. Like a Sarah. Yeah, like I thought Sarah, that one was Sarah hilarious. Yeah. 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 That's that a, that was, was a really good one. Yeah. He's like, you get it? You know, Sarah Vey. I, um, <laughs> the Paramount Pictures one. I think it was cut short because of the time, but if you watch the extended one, I watched it. It came out like a week before the Super Bowl. I thought that one was hilarious where they're debating about throwing Arnold because he's got a football head on oh, top because yeah. they need to like get a rope up there and they want to like Gatlin hook him. Yeah. And then uh, what's his face? It's Sir. I don't know his name. He's the bald guy from Star Trek. Anyways, he throws it. He throws it. <laughs> the kid and he runs into the mountain it's hilarious it's a it's a reads in it too it was a good one but all right so we get to the second half we get some action um i think we said yet uh, last week too right if we're if we're betting with money we were going chiefs but we're rooting for Mm -hmm. niners is that what we said yeah and i i think you know a lot of people i was on the edge of my seat in that second half for sure um you know looked like the 49ers could do it right there was a couple questionable calls and then you got the the blocked kick I think yeah. is one that you got to come back to too. And almost immediately they were blaming the kicker on that. And it seems like maybe that's the consensus. I don't know. I just feel like that's, you know, how much of that can they control when they're kicking, but fluke plays like that happen all the time. I don't know that I'm blaming the whole game on that guy. Um, they just couldn't contain Mahomes. I think he's a second half player. The guy's been in four Super Bowls now and, and he's been trailing by 10, I think in all of them and one, three of them. So, yeah. I mean, he just is a comeback kid when it comes to Super Bowls, right? Yeah, and, and we were looking at the argument too of like the uh, architecture of, of a roster, and between the two of them, they're very different, right? Where one is like a plug and play quarterback roster, and the other one is build around the quarterback. And in which path do you choose? And we're speaking as Bears fans, so it's it's interesting to see that outcome again with Mahomes winning it. I think I was saying that in the second half, kind of like. It's going to be close, but they're going to pull it out because they have Mahomes and he's going to make sure, you know, they're going to be in a position to win the game. Uh, And, you know, like we saw in overtime, right? They were marching. He was hitting plays. Nothing crazy, though. He's not like throwing for big stats or anything. He's just he's got that command of a team and a determination to where like he can will his team, you know, to follow his lead to go march on the field and go win a Super Bowl. I think that it speaks volumes for how important that position is in the game. Yeah. And if you look back at every Super Bowl, you know, in the last 10 years, right? You got Tom Brady. You could build a team around that guy. You don't, he doesn't need a star studded roster. You know, when Peyton Manning won, he's making some of these players, you know, as good as they are. Like you got to build around the quarterback. You got to find that quarterback that you can build around. I think right now Mahomes is just on top of the world. It's hard to beat him, but, uh, you know, I don't think they've got it in fields. We won't go into that on this show. Yeah. Um, but we can look ahead to next season's odds, right? And uh, who's going to potentially win next year, according to Vegas. Yeah, it's interesting to see 
obviously the two favorites are the two teams that just played. And the favorite is the 49ers because repeating in the NFL is unheard of. Mm-hmm. But another team up there, and then the, the following teams uh, after the 49ers and the Chiefs, you have the Ravens, the Bills. Okay. And then I didn't think the Lions would be that high again, but they got they got Detroit up there as like the 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 sixth favorite to win the Super Bowl. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's interesting. They've been kind of building on things every single year. And you know, you're really banking on them taking another leap. Um, is Jared Goff that guy? Could he get him there? I yeah. don't know, man. He, he took the Rams there, but that Rams team was loaded, right? This Lions team's getting there. It's not as loaded as that Rams team was when they got there. But uh, I don't know. They're looking pretty good. I like their weapons. They're young. They got a lot going for them. So I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that they're there. Yeah, um, I, I would think maybe Miami would have been ahead of them, but uh, uh, with more weapons and they were they kind of fizzled out at the end. But we'll see where, where it ends up next year. I think um, even at the beginning of this season, I, I, I wondered what the favorites were right after last year's Super Bowl, you know, and if, if how many of those teams made it to the playoffs. So it'd be yeah. interesting, interesting to see. I don't yeah, know. For sure. Um, so just, you know, another Super Bowl fast fact here, you know, before we move on, Super Bowl set a record, staggering 123.4 million viewers. It's America's TV, TV's biggest audience since the moon landing. We're back. Pretty crazy. Yeah. We're, I mean, Taylor Swift effect or what, Dan? I think, yeah. I think that has something to, to do with it. Um, I don't know what, what what other factors would go into it. It's a Vegas, maybe Ve- people wanted it's, to see it's Vegas. In Vegas. Um, yeah, we're kind of back to normal as well. We're watching TV. We're having parties. People are like going over to people's houses again. Things like that. Uh, but it's good. I, I is that good? That's like, what does that reflect on America's health? Is that a good thing? Is it a good thing that we have the most views in a Super Bowl? Are we showing more camaraderie? Are we, are we coming back together? I don't know. But good good for the Super Bowl. Good for the NFL. It is absolutely dominating this country by yeah, far. It is. Most popular sure. sport by far. Yeah. And just, you know, the day after the Super Bowl, that 100% needs to be some kind of, you know, floating holiday or something. It's uh, – <laughs> It's ridiculous that people have to go to work the next day. You know, everyone, like we just said, is having parties and stuff. Yeah. So I don't know. I I feel like it needs to be, if you look at, uh, you know, just pure data or whatever. The least uh, productive day. Yeah. 16 million people are expected to take off work, Mm. which in what they call super sick Monday. So talking 16 million people are taking it off. Let's just, let's get a holiday. Yeah. Let's let's get a holiday there. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Let's move on. Let's move on to the NBA trade deadline, which happened. Uh, yeah, last came and went. We haven't gotten a chance to talk about that yet. I'm curious what your thoughts are because the few times we've talked about the Bulls, it's blow it up, trade everybody. Let's get some new players in here. Let's let the young people run. Yeah. And what happened? Yeah, they did nothing. Yeah, That's everyone surprising. was... Um, yes and no. I think most people... The tea leaves said that they weren't going to do anything, but people were still holding out hope. We're like, All right, just do like something, just a minor thing, or maybe a player here, a player there to start, you know, taking out some roadblocks for those younger players so they can kind of get their playing time and really develop. They did nothing, but things happened to where Zach Levine's out for the year. So he's opting for surgery. This wasn't uh, a Chicago Bulls team doctor telling him he needs surgery. 
their plan was to like rest and reevaluate, but he went and got his own opinion uh, with his own doctors and he is opting into surgery, um, which, you know, kind of tells you all you need to know about who he is and who he cares about the most, which I mean, good for him. He's trying to play in this league for as long as he possibly can and make his mo- the most money he can. So makes sense for him, but he's, he's done for the year. So that opens up a roster spot. Patrick Williams is hurt again. So that's kind of, he's four to six weeks reevaluating some, something with his foot, I think. Um, so that's another roster spot. So that was our move. You know, that was the trade deadline move is two players kind of being hurt for, for the long haul or, or yeah. Uh, uh, Craig is playing again, Terry Craig. Um, he's coming back in the lineup, so he's playing again. And th- they're actually looking okay, but it's really baffling that they did nothing. They're they're doing this whole continuity thing. Uh, maybe they're going to trade uh, Zach in the offseason. Maybe they're going to extend DeMar DeRozan or, or let him walk, but they really like like him on the roster to you know give tutelage to the younger players. Um, Kobe what White, point is that done, though? I mean, yeah, he's I mean, 34. Like, he's and there's be vets everywhere next year. that you can sign and just storm on your yeah. bench and play that same role. Mm-hmm. I, I get that, too. Um, yeah, and if you really want Kobe White to continue ascending, you kind of want to maybe take DeMar out of it so those last you know second shots are coming down to him, and he's developing that part of his game as well. So it's a, it's, it's a big failure, in my opinion, at the tra- trade deadline. I don't really want to keep talking about it because it's been like yeah. this they haven't made a trade since larry Markin. like that was the last real trade they made and this team is just was that going after, nowhere was that post vooch i think it's three it was, years since yeah. their last trade um i don't know if that's exact but yeah it's they didn't do anything the last two trade deadlines and this is the third so they're positioned for a Middle of the first round pick. Yeah, and that's right? what they, I mean, his whole not... presser, his whole presser too was that, you know, we're going to compete. We're going to compete for the playoffs. And if they make the play-in, they're viewing that as a successful season. That's their standard. That's crazy. Yeah. That's great. I mean, that's how the Bulls have been, though, the last, you know, it, it some is. odd years. Yeah. So any big names get moved at the trade deadline? I think OG Ananobi? Uh, OG Ananobi. Yeah, he got traded to the Knicks, and then he got hurt. Um, the Raptors made some trades. Pascal Siakam, before the deadline, got traded to Indiana. Uh, but Buddy Heald got traded. Nothing crazy really happened. Kyle Lowry got uh, released, and he's going to get signed. Spencer Dinwiddie is going to get signed by the Lakers. So no real like huge yeah. shakeups or big or pieces being moved now. And okay. I think that's what AK was saying. He's, you know, it was a buyer's market. Not a lot of people were looking to sell. A lot of people were looking to buy. So not a lot of players were moved. I mean, sounds like a prime opportunity for them to move some of their players, <laughs> but uh, we'll we'll move on. Yeah. Baseball season's coming up. Pitchers this and is, catchers, most teams are reporting tomorrow. Yeah. Or by the time you're listening to this today, there'd be the 14th of February and the 15th. And then the rest of the team, 19th and the 20th so you know we're about a week away here from everybody being at camp you excited for this of course um it just feels good i yeah you know you always equate like spring training uh seasons are changing you know baseball seasons around the corner that's always something to look forward to and the cubs are just you know love love following the cubs it's it's interesting that there's still a lot of players out there that have been signed and training camps about to start I saw a video already of like Nico Horner's there. He's already practicing, fielding, taking grounders, such. 
So it's just a good good feeling. Uh, I, I have an opportunity possibly to go to a spring training game uh, this year as well. So I'm looking forward to that. And it's just a good, uh, you know, turn of the tide with the sports fandom. I mean, we're all sports crazy. And once football season's over, you really only have basketball. We don't really watch the, the Blackhawks. And those those two of our teams are not doing well. So let's kind of shift our focus to spring training and kind of the talent acquisition there, talent development of the Chicago Cubs. And a new manager. I mean, there's fun storylines with this team. Mm-hmm. There are, but we did lose Bellinger. He's still unsigned. Yep. I think there's a lot of hope among Cubs fans. When that shoe drops, if he's not in a Cubs uniform, there's going to be a lot of disappointment, a lot of disappointment. And so he's still out there. You know, you got to think that's going to come to a close within the next week or so, right? So. I mean, how far is he going to drag this into – um, spring season, training, yeah. but then you got Blake Snell, who's also not signed, which is pretty crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. that's one of the best pitchers in the MLB. Um, so I think that's pretty nuts. I think the Yankees right now are the favorites to sign him. Cubs very much in the mix still with Bellinger, is what I'm reading. Matt Chapman's another big name. Mm-hmm. Um, Cubs could totally use him too, but to think that they're going to get two of the biggest, you know, positional players left on the market right before spring training, I don't know. I would hope. I would hope that they're in great. both those guys. Yeah, they could definitely use them. That would go a long way. Dodgers seem pretty stacked. It's going to be hard to compete yeah. against them without a couple bats like those. But um, I think Jordan Montgomery is the other big pitcher that's left. So mm. I don't know. We'll see where those – I'm curious where those four players land. But, you know, we're a week away. It's exciting. exciting right, it is. Baseball right? season. Yeah. It's a, a, it's a fun team to root for, too. I like the roster a lot. I like the players on it. I think they play hard. I think they play the right way. Um, I'm curious to see what, what Craig Council does and what that that effect has on the players. His manager, Jurial style, um, you know, I, everyone says he, he was the best candidate available, and even though he wasn't available, but uh, one of the best managers in the league. So it's good to have him on our side, but I'm just curious to see the brand of baseball that's going to be played under him. Yeah, and the NL Central is wide open. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. But that's been our show today. Thanks again for joining us for Dan Slug. I'm Evan Bierman. You've been listening to the Domestic Draft Podcast. If you're listening on Spotify, don't forget to rate the show. You can find us on Twitter at Domestic Draft, on Instagram at Domestic Draft Podcast. Our website is domesticdraft.com. And you can watch the show on YouTube. Just search up Domestic Draft and drop us a sub. Thanks again for listening. Cheers. Cheers.